you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. It's my honor tonight to introduce our speaker. I certainly show a little partiality or maybe a lot of partiality because he is my son. Thankfully, all of the good in him comes from my wife and her side of the family. I'm proud of all three of my sons. Someone mentioned my boys to me today, and of course I'm a proud father to have all three of my sons in ministry working in the kingdom of God. The last two or three months would have just been an absolute impossibility for me personally and some of the projects that we were tackling here at Christian Life Church and the Lord so worked it that Gentry's schedule has allowed him to be present and able to be a great deal of help. God has opened doors of opportunity. He preached this morning in southern Indiana and from week to week, it seems that God has just opened doors in the local area for him to be ministering so that he could be here through the week. And he has given an incredible amount of time and energy to helping on numerous projects here at the church. And this week, he will be leading a youth rally. And then following the youth rally, he and Destiny are going to be leaving for an evangelistical tour. They're going to be in Texas for four or five weeks, home for just a couple of days, and then out to California for a couple of weeks. And, of course, they're praying that God breaks the doors open and they just come by to see us once in a while. But we want them to have much success, but we're really going to miss them while they're gone. And uh, their worship is just second to none. And I'm so thankful tonight, and I asked Gentry to preach several, several weeks ago. I asked him to preach this service tonight, and I believe he has a word from the Lord. And I will just ask you to put your hands together and welcome him as he comes. Let him feel the liberty to preach the word of the Lord tonight. We love you. Well, why don't you put your hands together and magnify Jesus if you know he's worthy. Oh, come on, somebody lift up your voice. And magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, it feels good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. You're in the right place at the right time. Come on, somebody, shout amen. I'll just tell you right now, it's going to go a whole lot quicker if you just preach with me tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Judges, chapter number 6. We had such a wonderful time preaching in southern Indiana this morning. Little known fact, where we were today uh, is the place that I preached my very first message 12 years ago, and uh, just had a wonderful time, had a wonderful move of the Holy Ghost, um, and we are very excited for every door that God is opening, and we look forward to being in Texas and in Los Angeles, and uh, I know my wife definitely, she doesn't care anything about Texas. Um, that's a joke, that's kind of where she's from, um, but I know that she's very happy to get to see her mom and dad and to, uh, to be in the great state of Texas, 
And uh, thank you for your prayers for her grandfather. He's going to be going into surgery tomorrow at 6 a.m. And uh, we know that God is a healer and a way maker. And uh, we're just believing that God's going to do something great. Believing he's going to do something great. Judges chapter number 6, verse number 2. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 2. And it says, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. <clears throat> and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash. And the son and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Verse number 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Even when he was hiding, when he was trying to get away from his adversary, away from his enemy, the Lord found him where he was and he spoke something to him that did not pertain to where he currently was, but it pertained to his destiny. Thou mighty man of valor. I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight hidden anointings. Hidden anointings. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, your voices, and your hearts? I'm going to ask you just to invite the presence of the Lord to sweep throughout this house and to have his way. Father, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. Now, God, we ask you right now to unleash your Shekinah glory to flow throughout this house. God, to unleash your presence. God, to dwell in the midst of us. Lord, we're desperate for a move of the Holy Ghost tonight. And we thank you right now, mighty God, for what you're going to do. We turn this service into your hand and we praise you in advance for what you're going to do in this house. We'll give you all praise, all glory, and all honor. And I wonder if for just a few moments you'd put your hands together. And if you just lift up your voice. Oh, come on, somebody. Just lift up your voice if you know that God's worthy. Oh, come on, somebody. Praise the name of Jesus. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Greet somebody. Let them know how happy you are to see them in the house of the Lord. And you may be seated. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 1 and verse number 5. The Lord is speaking and, and, and he is explaining the way that he feels and that he thinks about his children, you and I. And he speaks these words. He says, before I formed thee, or rather before I created you, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. What he's telling us and what he would have you to know in this passage of Scripture is that before you were ever even a thought, before you were a gleam in the eye of your parents, he knew you. Someone said, he knows me. He knew everything about you. He knew what was good about you. He knew what was bad about you. He knew how you would succeed, and he knew how you would fail. And the fact of the matter is, is even while he understood your problems, even while he understood your difficulties, somebody help me, even while he understood where you would fall and where you would fail, he said, but I knew you. And I didn't just know you, he said, but I sanctified you. That word sanctified means that even though he knew where you would fall, even though he knew where you would fail, he still separated you. He called you out from among them. It's not the design nor the will of the Lord for you to live like everybody else and be like everybody else and talk like everybody else and, and live like everybody else. But he said, even though I knew where you would fall, I sanctified you. I called you out. I called you from among them. I separated you for an intended use. And not only did I know you, and not only did I sanctify you, but the Bible says, and I 
ordained thee. What does that word mean for you and I? It means that he gave you a holy charge. It means that he charged you in the Holy Ghost, if you will. You see, even though he knew where you would fall, even though he knew what you would do, he said, I still knew you, and I still separated you, but it was not enough for me to know you, and it's not enough for me to separate you. He said, I've got to ordain you, and if you could ever open up the eyes of the Spirit to see what was happening in the book of Jeremiah, you would see that the Lord simply drew an arrow from his quiver, that is your life, and he put it into a bow, and he pulled it back with his mighty hand, and when he said, and I ordained you, what he's trying to tell you is that he launched you into the darkness as a beacon of hope and a beacon of life. You mean to tell me, preacher, that even though he knew where I would fall, even though he knew that I would mess up, you still want me to believe that he launched me? Honey, I've come to preach to you right now that it doesn't matter where you've fallen. It doesn't matter where you messed up. He said, I knew you and I sanctified you and I sanctified you and I ordained you and I ordained you. So I launched And I didn't launch you for you to sit where you are. I didn't launch you for you to be what you've always been. I didn't launch you for you to be in hiding. He said, but I launched you so you would go. You mean to tell me that even though he knew that I was going to mess up when nobody was watching, he still chose me. That's right. You mean to tell me even though he knew what I was going to do behind my spouse's back, he still ordained me? Yes, he did. You mean to tell me that no matter what I do, that he's already ordained me, that he's already separated me? That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. That I, it, it, it doesn't matter how you mess up when a spirit of repentance gets a hold of you. You see, it's already written in the book that regardless of your problem and regardless of what you deal with and regardless of what you're going through, He said, it's not a question. I've already separated you. I've already ordained you. I've already called you not to be like everybody else. Somebody help me. He said, but I've ordained you and called you and launched you that I'd put you out into the darkness to be a beacon of light and a beacon of hope. Let me tell just the church this for just one second. It's not the will of God for us to sit in every service and leave every service the same way that we came in. It's not the will of God for you to be anointed and for you to be ordained and for you to sit on the promises that the Lord has given you. It's not the will of God for you to be blessed by him and his hand be upon you and you just to sit through the service. But I know I'm preaching to somebody that God has called you and God has ordained you and God has chosen you. And he's saying, if you'll let me, I want to launch you into the deep. Oh, come on, put your hands together. And somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. Oh, come on, lift up your voice, all ye people. Hallelujah. Someone shout hallelujah. Come on, shout it like you mean it. Hallelujah. Could I just preach to you that God's weaponry is never impressive? I said his weaponry is never impressive. He told a boy with a rock to kill a giant. He told a child with a lunchbox to feed 5,000. He had a drunk man build an ark. He had a fornicator take a jawbone and kill a 1,000 men with it. God's not concerned with your mess-ups. God's not concerned with your failure. God's not concerned what you did when nobody was looking. God's not concerned with what's behind you. But he said, I've given you the promise of a future. I've called you out from among them. I've launched you into the deep. And let me tell you this. He launched you even though he knew what your problems were. Even though he knew what your struggles are. You said, how could I ever? How could I ever be used by God with my problems? You see, this is the thing about it. He ordained your problems. He ordained your difficulties. He ordained your family issues. He ordained what you are going to struggle with. He ordained the thoughts that cross your mind. And he said, I've ordained them because this is what you don't see. You might not understand why I've left you in a field with some sheep. But when the lion comes against you and you kill it, it's just another rock in the pocket. When a bear comes against you, I'm fixing to take the thing that was supposed to take you under. The thing that was supposed to kill you. And the Lord is saying, I'm about to use your tribe to launch you 
He said, I'm about to use your trial to launch you, regardless of what adversity you face, regardless of who talks about you, regardless of who doesn't like it. He said, what I bless, call, call thou not common. You see, God's not concerned with your weaponry. God's not concerned with your giftings. God's not concerned with your disabilities. You see, this is the fact of it. Your talent can't hide the lack of anointing. Your abilities can't hide your lack of anointing. It doesn't matter how good you preach, preacher. It can't hide the lack of anointing. It doesn't matter how good you sing, singer, how well you teach, teacher. If you do it without the anointing, you do it in vain. Could I preach to a church tonight that God's not trying to find the most talented? Help me, somebody, that God's not trying to find the most gifted, that God's not trying to find the best orator, that God's not trying to find the best teacher. But he said, who I'm trying to find is I'm trying to find you. And if I needed somebody with great speaking ability, I would have called them. And if I needed somebody with great teaching ability, I would have called them. And if I needed the best singer, I would have called them. And if I needed the best instrument player, I would have called them. But the fact of the matter is, he's ordained you to be specific, to be specifically who you are. And child of God, it's time to stop pretending to be something that you're not. Don't cower in the darkness because of what you don't have. It's time for the church to walk in what we do have. Come on, somebody. I said the anointing ought to overshadow your abilities. And the anointing ought to overshadow your disabilities. The anointing ought to overshadow your confidence. And the anointing ought to overshadow your lack of confidence. I've come to preach to somebody. You can have everything that you need. But if you don't have the anointing. I said you can have everything you need. But if you don't have the anointing, you do it in vain. We've got to have. We've got to have the anointing. You don't have to be the best singer to lead the church into worship. You don't have to be the best preacher for God to use you mightily. All you've got to have is the anointing. And when you preach, you preach with that anointing young preacher. When you teach Sunday school teacher, you teach with the anointing. When you play musician, you play with the anointing. When you sing singer, you sing with the anointing. And everything you do, you do it with the anointing. Could I tell a church that we walk in the anointing? Somebody, I said we live in the anointing. When you walk onto your job and somebody needs help, you help with the anointing. When you lay hands on the sick, you lay hands with the anointing on you. It's not about what you have. It's about what he has and what he's put on you and what he's going to use you to do. I've come to preach to somebody that you think that it's your inabilities. You think it's the problems that you have that are going to define who you are. I've come here tonight to preach to you that a word of prophecy has already come to you, that he has chosen you. He has separated you. He has ordained you. And he is launched. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How many people in here, you've ever felt like God's anointed you to do something? Why don't you lift your hand? You feel like God's anointed you. Oh, come on, somebody. There's some people in here that God's anointed you. But because of the problems in your life, even when somebody asks you if he's called you, you can't even muster the courage to lift up your hand because the enemy has you convinced that it's because of your trials that God can't use you. It's because of your difficulties that God can't use you. I want you to know that your trials and your difficulty are your Holy Ghost ordained weaponry. You don't understand why you're dealing with suicide. It's because God's given you dominion over it. You don't understand why your family's falling apart. It's because God's given you dominion over it. You don't understand why you're dealing with your faith. It's because God's given you dominion over it. That whenever you come into contact with something you've already gone through, you still... That whenever you come into contact with something that you've already gone through, he's saying, I've already given you dominion over it. Not so that you can cower away from it, but your problem, your difficulty, and your inabilities are your weaponry. 
God, I don't know why you gave me cancer because you have cancer bound in the name of Jesus. I don't know why you made me sick in my body because God's going to use you to lay hands on the sick and recover. I don't know why my family's falling apart because God's going to use you to help a family get put back together. And I want you to know right now that there isn't anything that you're going through that God has not ordained. As a matter of fact, I can't help but think about Job when Satan said, Lord, can I tempt your servant Job? And the Lord gave him permission. You would say, God, if you love me, why would you let the enemy do it? Why would you let him come against me? Why would you let him come against my family? And he's saying, because the more I try you, the more that I try you, and the more that I try your faith, after you come out of that trial, there's something that happened to you when your face been purged by the fire and you come out the other side and you're stronger than you've ever had. You said prove it to me preacher. Let me prove it to you right now. It, it was just because that Job trusted God. His wife said why don't you curse God and die. There's people in here right now that you've had somebody tell you that you might as well give up. Throw in the keys and throw in the towel but you don't know what it is that's going on within you but you know that you've got to trust him. Job looked at the people that were the closest to him. He said, I need you to get behind me because I know that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blesseth be his name. You said, how can I ever bless God in the middle of my trial? It's because something happened to Job that after he came out of it, he had two of everything. You see, he got back devil everything that he had. And could I just tell this to somebody? If he wouldn't have had two back, then he would have never had any extra. Now I asked the Lord, I said, God, why is it every time you put us through a trial. You give us not just what we lost, but you give us back even more than we lost. And he said, because after you go through the trial, I give you the, the authority over it, and I put more than what you had in your hand. So then the next person you come into contact with that's going through what you've been through, you said, let me tell you what Jesus did. Oh, come on, I'm trying to drop a weapon into your arsenal tonight that whatever you're going through, God's saying, I've ordained it to use you with it. Oh, you've not been forgotten about or forsaken, but God's saying there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. And he's got the keys to death, to hell, and the grave. So no matter what you're facing, he's saying, I've already covered it. I've already paid for it. You see, as a matter of fact, he didn't just go down and take the deeds and take the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But before he ever took it, he allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to be buried. He walked down into the corridor of hell. They could hear his footsteps coming down the hallway as they said, what's going on? And he walked down and he stuck out his hand and he said, give me the keys. You see, this is what I believe in this house, that when you ask the Lord to give you dominion over something, when you ask him to give you authority over something, he can't give you authority over what you're not willing to go through yourself. And so the issue is, is that when you come into the house of the Lord and you think about everything you've gone through and you think that what you've gone through is defeating you, but he's saying, no, sir, no, ma'am, what you've gone through is a weapon in your arsenal that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And when you come back into contact with the same old devil who tried to get you down, I'm going to stop and remind you where I brought you out of and what I've done through you. And when you meet somebody out on the street that said, I don't understand what I'm going through. You said, let me help you. This is what the Lord did for me. I'll never forget being 16 years old. Many of you have heard it. I was in an automobile accident and a man died. I dealt with suicide and depression. I sat on a couch with a gun up to my head asking the Lord why he allowed me to go through it. What I didn't know was two months later that there was going to be a young man at 2 a.m. come and knock on my door. I went up and I opened up the door. I said, what are you doing? He said, I don't know how to explain it, but I've been suicidal for two months. He said, I was sitting in my room with a gun to my head, and if I've ever heard the voice of the Lord, I heard him tell me, you need to get out of where you're at, and you need to go down to Gentry's house. He said, I don't know why I'm here. As he sat on the couch, I said, well, let me tell you that what you're going through, I've already been through, and I sat right where you're sitting, and if the Lord did it for me, he can do it for you. And let me just preach to somebody that you've been afraid, you've been down, you feel defeated, you feel beaten, 
something you don't understand. God's saying, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use your pain. I'm going to use your difficulty. And there's going to come a point when you're trying to help somebody, when you're trying to do something for somebody, and you reach down into the pain of your life, and you're going to draw strength from it. What do you mean to tell me, somebody? I'm trying to tell you that whatever you've dealt with in your life, that when the pain dwells within you, that God's going to do a work in you, that every time you step in a pulpit, every time you grab a microphone, every time you go lay hands on somebody, you're going to reach down into that pain, and you're going to look like David reaching into a pouch of rock, and you're going to draw out a stone, and God's already put the sling in your hand, and you're going to start to sling it over your head, and you're going to say, I remember when he brought me out. I remember when he healed my body. I remember when I thought I was defeated. And as you begin to sling that rock, all of a sudden the revelation hits you. And that rock was Christ. I wish that somebody in this building right now would say, I know that what I've gone through wasn't fun. But God, if you can use it. Oh, come on, I wish you get it in your spirit right now that everything I've gone through is worth it. Everything I've been through is ordained. God's not forgotten about me just because I'm sick. Brother Duggar, God's not forgotten about you, sir. Jason, God's not forgotten about you, sir. Elder that's dealing with sickness, God's not forgotten about you. Young person that feels alone, God's not forgotten about you, but he's ordaining your steps. You see, the Bible tells me that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and it says that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. You say I don't feel it working for my good. The scripture doesn't say it's going to work for your good. No, no, no. It says it's going to work for the good. What am I trying to tell you? God's not concerned with your happiness. No, but God's concerned with your anointing and God's concerned with your weaponry. Oh, you mean to tell me I'm anointed? How could he let me go through what I'm going through? Oh, could I preach to somebody that your anointing is confrontational? I said your anointing is confrontational. The anointing only shows when situations seem impossible. Let me tell you why he lets you go through it. Why he lets you go through something that you can't see the end, that you don't know whether or not he's going to make it out. It's the same reason that God's not concerned with your giftings and your abilities. Because if you could do it, you would do it. But something happens when you recognize that the only way I'm about to make it out of this situation is for a move of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter that you can. It only matters that he can. I've come to preach to somebody that used to sing, he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my victory. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. I'll never forget growing up hearing the songs that they sing about everything that he is. But can I tell you, he was not just who he is, it's who he still is today. It's not about what he was in the past, it's about what he is right now and if you believe what the Bible says it says he is the same yesterday today and forever that means that anytime I've stopped and think about where the Lord's brought me out of it doesn't matter what I'm going through because I know that I've got a promise that no weapon formed against me no weapon formed against me is going to prosper it's not because of what's in me but it's because of what's in him and when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost I want you to know that something comes inside of you. I said a strength comes inside of you. Maybe you're in here and you don't know what the Holy Ghost is. It's the Spirit of God. You said, what do you mean the Spirit of God? The Bible says that they were gathered together. Oh, come on, somebody. They were gathered together in an upper room. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost began to sweep through it. And it blew in like a rushing mighty wind. And all filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon 
on each of them and they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Someone said, what's going on up here? He said, they're not drunk as he supposed, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. What does that mean for you and I? That the promise is for you today. And if the promise is for you, then the Holy Ghost is for you. And if the Holy Ghost is for you, then power is for you. And if the Holy Ghost is for you, deliverance is for you. Healing is for you. A way is for you. I wish I had an apostolic in this house that would reach back and remember what the Lord did. I wish you'd reach back to when he brought you out when you didn't know what was going to happen. Sister Paula, when the doctor told you that they didn't know what was going to happen. Mark, when you thought you were going to drown in a river. Zach, when the doctor didn't know what they were going to do for you. Oh, come on, help me, somebody. I wish you'd reach back and remember everything that he's done. Because when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he sent I've got to shout and dance and praise. Not just because of what he did, but because of who he is. He is everything that you need. He is the physician to the sick person. He is the way maker to the lost one. He is the provider to the needy. Oh, someone shout amen. Because your anointing is confrontational. I said it's confrontational. Your anointing demands confrontation. You said, what do you mean? I remember the story of Moses when his mama hit him in a basket and launched him down the river. Moses didn't know what was going on. He didn't know why he was in the river. But all of a sudden, a woman reached down and she drew him up out of the water and she took him into her home. What Moses didn't know is that this woman was Pharaoh's daughter and Moses began to grow up in the house of his enemy, the house of his mama's enemy, the house of his daddy's enemy. And you see what he didn't understand is why he was here. You see, she hid him in a basket, and then they hid him in Pharaoh's room. And you see, as Moses was growing up, after he'd been hidden his whole life, he began to start to do what we all do and mess up. And the Bible says that Moses messed up, and when he messed up, he became fearful. And when he became fearful, the Bible says he fled into the desert. And when he fled into the desert. He went up the side of a mountain. And the Bible says as he hid on the back side of a mountain he didn't want to see anybody. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to admit that there was a problem. But all of a sudden he found himself hiding out in a little cave. And the Bible says it's laid out before him that there was a burning bush. And the Lord began to speak to him and said, Moses, I've called you to do something great. I've called you to do something mighty. Moses said, Lord, don't you know who I am? He said, yes, Moses, I know who you are. Because while you were in the womb, I yet knew you. And before you said, oh, and before you set foot on this earth I ordained you and I commissioned you and now Moses this is what I need I need you to leave where you're at I need you to go back into the land of Egypt and I need you to go look at Pharaoh and say Pharaoh thus saith the Lord Moses said Lord I don't have the ability he said you don't need the ability you see because this is what Moses didn't understand had Pharaoh never commanded for the Hebrew boys to be killed he would have never been in the river and if he was never in the river. He would have never been picked up by the daughter of Pharaoh. And if she would have never picked him up, he would have never grown up in the house. And if he didn't grow up in the house, he would have never fled to the backside of a mountain. And if he wouldn't have fled to the backside of the mountain, he would have never met God in a burning bush. What I'm trying to tell somebody is that even though what you're going through doesn't make a lot of sense, you've had the Lord speak some things to you that just don't make any sense. You said, God is this 
deceive in you. Could I tell you that when the Lord speaks a word, sometimes it's not going to make any sense. There's even people in this house right now that you even would say that God has sent a prophecy to you. Let me tell you what prophecy is. Prophecy is not forced submission, but prophecy is an invitation to action. That means that you can have everything prophesied over you. You can claim everything you want to, but it's not until you put an action with what's going on because there is something that happens when power meets potential. When the power of the Holy Ghost gets a hold of a person with potential that anything is possible. And Moses said, Lord, this is really what you want me to do. You want me to walk back in there. You want me to face what I've already got out of. You want me to go back into Pharaoh's courtroom. He said, yes, Moses, that's what I want. And when you look at him, you don't say that it's you coming, but the sun there's going to be something that happens when you begin to speak with authority that you're not going in your own name, Moses, but you're going in the name of the Lord. Moses said, I don't understand it, but I'm going to go anyhow. You see, there's people in here that God's called you to do something great. God's called you to do something for him, but in order for you to do it, you've got to revisit where you were hurt. You've got to revisit where you came out of. You've got to revisit what he already brought you through and you don't understand why the Lord wants you to go back, you don't understand why he would want you to do this. But could I tell you that even though you don't understand why, you can't let your adversity put your anointing into hiding. I said you can't let it put you into hiding. It was through adversity that Moses went into hiding. It was through adversity that he was even put in the river. All he knew his whole life was adversity and hiding. And so naturally, he hid. That's just what he did. But there's somebody in here today that you've been hiding for a long time. You've been hiding the word that the Lord spoke to you. You've been hiding the promise that he gave you. You've been hiding the word that came to you in prayer. And the Lord is saying, it's time to get your anointing out of hiding. You see, you've been through some stuff. You've seen some stuff. You've heard some stuff. You've even talked some stuff. And you didn't understand why God was letting you go through this stuff. You thought somebody was just attacking you. But what you did not know is your attack was just confirmation of your calling. I said your attack was just confirmation of your calling. Here's what you've got to understand. That every time you face a devil, that the greater the devil the greater the level he's taking you to. That every time you come into contact with something that seems greater than you, God's saying, I'm about to use your situation to bring you up out of your mess and to put you into your destiny. What you don't understand in this house is that everything that you've gone through, God's saying, I'm getting ready to turn it on a dime and I'm getting ready to launch you into destiny. But the only way that I can launch you into destiny is if you grab a hold of that anointing. I'm talking that Holy Ghost anointing, that old apostolic anointing. I'm talking about the anointing your grandpa talked about, the anointing your mama and your daddy talked about, the anointing that the elders used to preach about. You've got to grab that anointing, and you've got to say, regardless of what I'm going through, it's time to get my anointing out of hiding. And when I get my anointing out of hiding, anything is possible. You see, we were already talking about a young man named Gideon. When the Lord was dealing with him, he said, Gideon, I've called you, and I've used you, and I want to use you. Gideon, he didn't understand why the Lord would find him. You see, this is what you've got to know, is that the Lord found him in hiding. The Lord found him trying to flee from his enemy. And he said, Gideon, thy mighty man of Gideon said, Lord, that can't be me. I can't be the one you're talking about. The Lord said, yes, you are, Gideon. He said, but do you see me, Jesus? I'm hiding from my enemy. God said that the word that I spoke to you, this is a prophetic word for somebody, that the word that I spoke to you is not about your present condition, but is about the future of your destiny. Gideon said, all right, Lord, 
what are you going to do with me? The Lord said, I'm fixing to raise you up, and I'm fixing to defeat an army with one man. God, he said, Lord, how are you going to do it? He said, you just got to trust me, Gideon. And so the Bible tells us that Gideon and his armies marched out through the darkness. They had a trumpet in one hand, and they had a pitcher in the other. And what they didn't know is that inside of the pitcher, there was a candle. And what they did is as they walked into the darkness, they got into the field of battle. The enemies could see what was going on as he lifted up the trumpet and he began to blow his trumpet as loud as he could. A great noise began to tear through the atmosphere. They heard what was going on. They, they heard many trumpets begin to erupt with praise. They looked out trying to figure out what was happening. All of a sudden, the Bible tells me that they picked up those vases and they began to shatter them. And a great noise began to tear through. The enemy started to be confused. What are you doing? Why are you blowing the trumpet? Why are you shattering your vases? But what the enemy didn't know was that when they shattered the vases, that there was a candle inside of it. You see, the enemy started to get confused. And the Bible says that they started to turn on themselves. They started to turn on each other. You said, why would they do that? Because what your enemy never expected was for you to bring your anointing out of hiding. What he didn't expect was for you to bring your anointing out of hiding. He wants you to feel defeated. He wants you to feel locked up. But he's saying, if you trust me right now and bring your anointing out of hiding, what I'm going to do for you is greater than what I've ever done for you. And everything that you lost, I'm fixing to give you back twice as much. Oh, I wish I had somebody that believed what the Lord was trying to say today, that God has an anointing for you, and it's time to come out. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to come out of the backside of a desert. And it's time for somebody to say, I've got the anointing. I've got the anointing. I've got the anointing. You said, I don't have any talents, but you have the anointing. I don't have any confidence, but you've got the anointing. My family last name ain't right, but you've got the anointing. And I want you to know right now that the anointing is more than you'll ever need. I said the anointing's more than you'll ever need. If you've got the anointing, you've got everything that you need. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells me that when I've got the anointing, that I've got everything. And it says that when I've got the anointing, that I am the head and not the tail, that I am on top and not below, that I am first and I am not last. I've come to preach to somebody that you've allowed trials and situations and difficulties to put you on the backside of a desert. You've chosen to hide your anointing. You've chosen to hide your word. You've chosen to hide your calling. And you come in this house frustrated, not understanding why it's not happening for you. God's saying it's time. It's time to be who you are. It's time to be what I've given you. It's time to use the tool that's in your hand. And it's time to bring that old anointing out. It's time to come out of it. And I've come to preach to somebody that if you decide right now to bring out that old anointing. Anything is possible. Sister Paula, if you decided to bring out that anointing, the sickness you've been dealing with, was I'm telling you, it would be gone. There's other people in here that you've been dealing with some great things in your life, some trials in your family, and you've allowed your anointing to be the one to suffer. You've, been, you've allowed the enemy to talk you out of your anointing to talk you out of your calling and to talk you out of his promise not because of you but because of what you've gone through and because of what the enemy's spoken to you but what you've got to step back and realize in this house right now is every time I go through anything, every time I'm faced with a devil, every time I'm faced with a challenge, every time I find out that there's something going on that I can't explain God's saying I'm doing nothing but confirming your calling. You don't understand why God's let you be sick. He's just confirming your anointing. You don't understand why God's allowed your finances to be in trouble. It's just because he's confirming your anointing. You see the moment that you recognize that even though your anointing is confrontational, God said, I still got all power. So whatever you're facing in this house tonight, it's only your job to carry the anointing. It's not your job to have to fight the fight. It's not your job to have to deal with the adversary. But there's something that happens when you decide to pull out that anointing 
and that savor begins to oh you know I can't help but think about they would say that whenever the priests were anointed in the Old Testament that everywhere they went that garment had the smell of anointing it had the smell of the oil could I preach to somebody that you've come in here frustrated and you don't understand why you're frustrated it's because you're trying to be something that you're not and anytime you try to walk up in the club and people don't accept you anytime you try to hang out with the people you know you shouldn't and they won't accept you you don't understand why you're not accepted it's because God didn't call you to be accepted God called you to be anointed Come on, help me, somebody. I said God called you to be anointed. He called you to be anointed. He called you out from among them. I wonder right now how many people you could say that you're going through a trial right now. You're going through some things. Why don't you lift up your hand? Come on, real high. Why don't you stand up on your feet if that's you? You'd say, I'm going through a trial, and I don't know how to explain it. I wish right now you lift up your hands where you're at. Somebody lift up your voice all over the sanctuary right now. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I bind the mouth of the enemy. I bind the spirit of fear. I bind the spirit of doubt right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that there be a release of the Holy Ghost. I pray there be a release of anointing. I pray there be a release of your glory and of your power right now. I'm not going to live in fear any longer. Oh, come on, somebody. If you're really going through it, I wish you'd get a little bit of grit in your system. I wish you'd start to say it like you mean it. I wish you'd start to claim it like you feel it, that you're about to pull out that old anointing. See, that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants for somebody to speak a word to you and for you to say, mm-hmm, I believe it. Oh, yes, Jesus, I know you'll do it. But there's something that happens when you really need a miracle, when you're really desperate for the anointing, that there's nobody in this room that could stop you from getting what you need. As a matter of fact, what you need is in here. I was sitting over by the side as the, as the choir, and they started to sing. I shut my eyes. I said, Lord, what are you going to do tonight? I could see through eyes of faith that there was a haze filling this room. I said, God, what are you doing? He said, I've sent my angel and I'm sending a spirit of Gideon on my people that they've been hiding in the wine press. They've been hiding way below what I've called them to. And I've sent an angel to this I've sent an angel to this place tonight to tell my people that it's time to come out of your hiding. Come on, I said it's time to come out of hiding. It's time to be who you are. It's time to be what he's called you to. It's time to do what he's called you to do. You can't sit by the wayside any longer. You can't keep on doing what you've been doing any longer. But God's saying, I'm here tonight, and I'm here tonight to bless you. There is a blessing that's filled this room right now. There's a miracle for somebody in this house that you've walked into this building and you don't understand why you're going through it. And God sent you a word tonight. But even while you're sitting here, you're still doubting if the word's for you. The Holy Ghost wants you to know right now that he's already sent a word to you and there's a ministering angel in this room. If anybody wants it, it's time to reach out and grab it right now. I wish right now you lift up your hands right where you're at and lift up your voice and let's just entertain the spirit of the Lord that's in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, do you feel what happens when you begin to call on them? Can you feel the anointing running back through your veins again? I ask you just to stand up all over this house. In the name of Jesus, would you stand up all over this building? There's a work that the Lord wants to do in this house. We could have shouted tonight, we could have ran the aisles, and we could dance. But what the Lord wants to do in this house right now is God's fixing to call somebody out of hiding. You're too valuable to be hiding. You're too gifted to be hiding. You're too anointed to be hiding. But what the Lord wants for you to do right now is saying, I'm making up in my mind. I'm deciding in my spirit. I'm coming out of hiding tonight, and I'm about to step into the promises of the Lord. I wonder if that's you right now, if you just come rushing out of your seat. These altars are open. These altars are open right now. 
I know sometimes it can be difficult, it can be scary to have to revisit the places that God's brought you out of and what he's done through you and what he's done with you and, and what you feel like that you've overcome. But I want to tell you right now that it's God's ordained a moment in time for you right now. He's ordained a moment in time that God's calling you out from among them that God's calling you to be separated out and he's trying to tell you you've got everything you need you've got everything that you need within you you've got the anointing you've got the power of the Holy Ghost I wonder if there's anybody why don't you join your faith with somebody right now and I'm going to ask every hand in this building to be lifted come on from the front to the back come on there's hidden anointings there's hidden anointings that are coming out there's hidden anointings that are coming out they're coming out right now right now right now right now Come on, how desperate are you? How desperate are you to get back in the flow of the anointing? How desperate are you to get back in the flow of the anointing? Come on, somebody, the Holy Ghost is in here right now. The Holy Ghost has already filled this room right now. There's something that's happening right now. If you're praying, I just want you to keep on praying. But there's a point that we're at to right now. And I felt the word of the Lord. I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me. This is the same point that we get to. We go through seasons of prayer and fasting, and the church gets high. They get anointed. They get on fire. And then we, and then we start to drop back down. And I asked God, I said, Lord, what do you want to do? He said, I need there to be a consistency among my people. It would be a vice and a trick of the enemy right now for you to leave this place the same way that you came in. But there's been something that's been hovering right above this sanctuary that God is trying to break in. And there's a horn of oil wanting to be poured out upon us. But the only way that that horn of oil is going to be poured out tonight is for us to get in a spirit of unity and to begin to break down chains that have been holding you held captive and to decide right now that I'm fixing to break out. I'm fixing to be anointed. I'm fixing to be a walking revival that everywhere that I go, the anointing is going to flow. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you. Here's what I'm going to ask you. If you're not already down in the altar, I want to just invite you just to join us right now. What I feel like is fixing to happen, there's fixing to be a move of the Holy Ghost. It's fixing to sweep through this house, and it's for whosoever will. I want you just to find somebody right now where you're at, and I want you to get connected with them, and I want you to begin to pray with fervency. You're not just praying for an altar call. You're not just praying for your neighbor, but what you're praying for is you're praying for the future of Christian Life Church. God's about to pour out an anointing that if we could reach out and grab a hold of it and catch a hold of what he's doing, it would revolutionize us. It would revolutionize who you are. It would revolutionize who we are. Now I wonder right now, lay your hands on somebody and lift up your voice right now. Come on, lift up your voice all over the... Lift up come on everybody lift up your voice lift up your voice lift up your voice father right now I bind the spirit of shame I bind the spirit of complacency I bind the spirit that comes against this sanctuary that comes against this people and God I pray right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost let there be a release in the spirit let there be a release in the atmosphere there's a horn of oil being poured out upon us I wish you'd reach out and grab it I wish you'd reach out and get a hold of it. Come on, somebody pray with fervency. Pray with fervency. Pray with fervency. Just moving, you should tap into what God's Jesus. doing in this place. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back now.